Unbroken Podcast. I'm Alexandra Amor, author and lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life via the psychological paradigm called the Three Principles. We explore the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including resolving things like unwanted habits, anxiety, trauma, depression, and more. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary video series, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. If you're struggling to resolve an overeating habit, I invite you to go to freedomfromovereating.com where you'll find all the details about the online course I've created based on my 30 plus years of struggle and how I found the solution to my own overeating habit by exploring this inside out psychological paradigm. Use the coupon code podcast at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. And now here's the show. Joy Belongi, welcome to Unbroken. Thank you so much. What an honor to be here. Oh, it's lovely to speak to you. And so why don't you begin, tell us about uh, a little bit about your background and how you found the principles. Sure. Um, background has basically been an educator with the within the extension system, which is a national um, system cooperative extension. I worked for Michigan State University Extension for um, over 21 years and was a great job. They really believed in personal development. So I had 18 days, <laughs> if you can believe it, to have personal development. And some of those days were, you know, fall and spring conferences and things. And um, speaking of fall conference was in Lansing and uh, was introduced to um, <clears throat> a seminar that was um, being organized through the Ingham Health Department on health realization. Mm. And so that's dating me a little bit, but I was really intrigued. It was a nine month seminar um, presented by Dickin. And so I traveled once a month from Upper Peninsula of Michigan, where I was based for um, my job and, and had another lifetime there. Um, so the the funny thing was, is that it took like four hours to get down to Lansing to to learn more about my thoughts. <laughs> so I got a four hour car ride to think a lot about my thoughts. <laughs> right. But, you know, it was the gift and, you know, to learn from Dickon and who he learned directly from Sid Banks was just such a gift. And I think it took me a while, I'd say at least maybe nine months to maybe get my first insight. And the first insight was um, I didn't have to believe everything I thought, mm. which was huge, mm -hmm. really huge. And so from then on, I I made some changes in my life that I had been wanting to do, but didn't have the courage or the gumption, or I felt like I was stuck. And, and so I saw that really uh, from a new perspective that, um, you know, our thoughts appear real. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. the trick, isn't it? They can appear so real and then we end up believing them and we think they're our truth. 
Um, so anyway, that just opened up a whole, whole new world for me. And so what transpired after that? Did you transition away from the work you were doing or what did that no, look like? No, I, I, I tried to incorporate it within, within mm. my work. Um, I did a lot of volunteer development. Um, and um, But basically, I just continued to learn on my own. And I think the real telltale sign of the impact that this had was um, I left a, a marriage. I didn't um, feel like I was with my life partner. And so that created some, you know, turbulence. But I knew that I was going to be resilient and find my way. And and sure enough, I did. And then at a certain point down the road, I knew my job was ending and so I decided to uh, take a, a joy ride. <laughs> I, I got myself a, a road truck um, van and traveled for a year with the main idea of getting out of Michigan for the winter. So that didn't take a you know a brain rocket scientist to figure that out that I needed to get out and explore. And it was just really a beautiful, beautiful trip. Had I not known the principles, though, I would have never taken the trip because I would have been in the what if, you know, what if this happens? What if I break down? What if I get attacked? What if I get lost? And I realized, you know, that was just fear. And I didn't need to certainly listen to it. I needed to, you know, have some safety measures, but to be able to do a year with uh, embracing the unknown, I didn't really didn't have a plan other than to get out to the West Coast, um, because my my kids had moved out there earlier, a couple years prior. And, um, and it turned out to be such a magical trip with the idea that I didn't have to have all my ducks in a row and plan how to get from point A to point Z. <laughs> it was just, you know, the, the big aha was like, I realized that whatever I needed to know would be revealed to me and that I didn't have to figure it out. That was just huge because I think previously in my life and as part of our programming and conditions, conditioning, we've been taught that, you know, you have to have a, a goal and you have to work hard to be successful. And, uh, you know, how about a five-year plan <laughs> and all of those things just kind of went out, went out the window. And I was really had this beautiful sense of freedom of creating my life in the moment, pretty much. Mm, yeah. Wow. That's so great. And you, you have an affinity for travel. You, you talk about, you know, going on adventures on your website. Um, but it sounds like this was a new experience for you. Is that true? The um, joy ride and going with the mindset that I would just figure it out or, you know, it would come to me was whole different, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at a very young age, a really good friend of mine, uh, Kendra and her mother introduced me to travel. Um, so I went to uh, Florida with them with my first, you know, airplane ride. And then actually um, we went in a, a van at the time, another trip, and maybe that's how that all came about. But I really think that she introduced me to adventure. Mm, oh, very cool. Um, the other thing you mentioned on your website that I wanted to take note of was that you had a, a mystical experience when you were 12. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, I was really intrigued. I think I overheard like my mother and her friend talking about, I don't know, um, some kind of like mystical thing as far as uh, I thought maybe it was tarot cards or just, yeah. So somehow I got the idea about levitation. (laughs) And I was at my friend's house right next door and we had a slumber party and just had the right amount of people. And I took the role of facilitating a levitation, which I had no previous, what I thought, no previous experience in how to do this. But, um, and so the first 20 minutes of this, you know, one person uh, lies down on the, on their back. And then we have three on each side, one at the foot and one at the the head. And uh, with just two fingers, other than the people at the foot in the head, two fingers of each hand under the, the person that's lying down. And we repeated things like she's as light as a feather, she's light as a feather, went all the way around. And then her cells are compacting, <laughs> her cells are compacting. So the first 10, 15 minutes, we just cracked up laughing, you know, like, what are we doing? And then I was so adamant. I remember I said, you guys, I really, I really need to know if this works. And so then we settled down and started over with our, you know, repeating um, the phrases. And sure enough, on the count of three, um, we began to lift the person over our heads. And the person was and part of the, the phrasing was she's as light as a feather. <laughs> and it was just astounding, just astounding. And um, as through the years, I've talked with other uh, girlfriends and they they have reported, you know, a similar experience. But this was pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And mm-hmm. so each of us took a turn in the center of the circle. And then, you know, I was last and you you, you lie with your, your arms folded and your eyes closed. And I knew I was being lifted. And then I had to just open my eyes to make sure or just to va- validate that this was really happening. And then the ceiling was just about this far away from my eyes. <laughs> Goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was really bizarre. And it also showed me that, wow, our beliefs are really powerful. Mm-hmm. And at that young age of 12, we didn't have a lot of uh, obstacles in our way of thinking, oh, this isn't possible. Right. We were really fresh and and really got serious and really saw that we, we can change reality with our thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. And I was going to ask what you saw about it then and what you might see about it now are there are there differences or do you see it the same way good question um i think i was in a little bit of a shock mm-hmm. <laughs> and i didn't have anybody to really talk to about this and years later my sister was saying well no wonder you went into energy medicine i'm a, a eden energy medicine practitioner and i i really didn't even see the connection to that um, until she saw it. And uh, so now, um, of course, with, uh, you know, the work that we do and the journey that we're on about the power of belief, and and I see it so clear now that, yeah, um, our, our beliefs and our thoughts are so powerful, mm-hmm. especially in a combined group, 
You yeah. know, I think that extra power now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, with a bunch of people there. And it surprises me that people were able to change position and it still happened. Like it didn't just happen once with one person and it was kind of a fluke. What you're saying is one person would get off the table or the thing that they were on and another person would get on and it would happen again. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Wow. So um, three, six, eight, nine, nine of us. So yeah, I was the last to go. But what occurs to me, you think I would have maybe explored, you know, bending spoons or something. (laughs) (laughs) But it never occurred to me. It was almost like I put it away and and never really gave it much thought. But uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, that is so cool. Um, So connected to that, you describe yourself as a spiritual seeker um, until you found the principles. So what changed when that happened? Yeah, really great question. I I definitely was a seeker. It was like I had such an intense motivation to want to figure this life out. (laughs) And maybe I saw that it wasn't really working in my family or with my parents or other adults. I don't know. Uh, But I was really motivated to read as many books, attend as many workshops, learn as many techniques as possible, because I thought then, then I'd have a handle on how to do this, because maybe there was another uh, intention to get life right. Right. And, uh, so what was so interesting is once I came across this understanding and also hearing from Dickon that he used to have like all these affirmation journals, a dream journal, you know, he'd meditate for four hours each night or each day and same kind of, um, energy about that. And then it was like, oh my gosh, I have wisdom within me. This is what I was learning is like, I have, we, we all have wisdom. It comes to us. (laughs) I don't have to look outside of myself. So, yeah. So all that search was looking outside of myself. And so, you know, the big shift was all the spiritual teachers, including Sid, said to look within. And, you know, as the story goes, there were so many people that would flock to see Sid. And so surprising, he would tell them, go home, look within. (laughs) (laughs) And I also had a visual, wouldn't it be fun to see at a bookstore, you know, all the shelves of the self-help industry and what is it like 12 billion dollars now and if they were just take all the shelves or all the books off the shelves and just have a picture of maybe sydney banks and the phrase look within (laughs) (laughs) right yes the answers are within they come to us we are so divinely engineered i just i am so continuously wowed by that to really understand who we are Mm -hmm. so um, you know, when you think about it, we don't have to think how many breaths to take per minute or how to how many beats per minute that we have to that our heart needs to be, you know, it's like life is living through us if we allow it. I don't know if we have a choice, but if you, you know, see it that way, you know, it's it turns out to be um, just a lighter way to live life, less struggle, more joy. Mm hmm. And you mentioned you had 
sort of adopted a lot of techniques and that kind of thing. And and I'm assuming you saw those begin to fall away or let them fall away when you discovered the principles. Yeah, I was a big meditator too. And mm. thinking that was a way. And I think it really serves a, a purpose to quiet your mind down. And that's where I think when you have just a quiet mind and then out of the blue insights come to you or things come to you that are somewhat magical, that that's just how we've been designed. And mm-hmm. we don't have to analyze or figure it out, you know, because we've just been so conditioned that we have to give some things to some more thought and we have to research or analyze or... <laughs> And uh, it really frees up your time, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It sure does. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. No kidding. Um, I want to go back to travel for a second. And I should have said this when you were talking about your trip around. um, Was it North America? Did you come to Canada as well? Or was it just the US in your van? Yeah, just mainly uh, the US and a lot of time on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you've climbed the Egyptian pyramids, you mentioned that on your website. And so what else, we've already kind of touched on this, but what else do you think travel teaches us about ourselves or about our place in the world? Yeah, I think the idea of getting out of your everyday world mm. shifts everything so we are habitual right we get into patterns and pretty much they get uh, automatic without a lot of thinking I know that you can relate to maybe driving from point a to b and not really realizing how you got there because you were so in your thoughts so in your head (laughs) it becomes automatic and that's kind of kind of how we are in our day-to-day life and so when you take a break from that pattern and change everything, change the scenery, change the, the food, uh, climate, you, you name it, everything's different. And then it's almost like you come back alive for the first time because <laughs> you're seeing everything new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you know I, I hear, I mean, and bend and the beautiful mountains. And then sometimes I forget it's like, oh, yeah, there's the mountains. But when you're first here, it's like, oh, my God, these mountains are beautiful. Yes, yes. Yeah, I have the same experience here on Vancouver Island. You, we just, yeah, become so habituated to it. And then in the summer, we get a lot of tourists. And what happens is it's actually quite nice. I see them taking photographs of things. And it reminds me, oh, right, this is, you know, this is really beautiful. And I should pay more attention to that if I could, you know, be a bit more mindful of it. Yeah. Yeah. Noticing. Noticing is powerful, isn't it? Yeah. And when, when you were traveling in your van, did you have any experiences where, like you talked about, um, you would have asked your, you know, you might've hesitated to go before you knew the principles, because what if this happened or what if that happened? Did you run into any situations that were a little challenging where you were able to be in the moment and just see what happened? Uh, Yeah, two incidents come to mind. Um, When I first got to the West Coast and visited with my family, I thought about, well, 
what do I want to do now? <laughs> and I actually Googled because I was at the time a big um, uh, affirmation person. So I just typed up the word affirmation and Googled it. And then Louise Hay took over my laptop and I thought, oh yeah, I was more in alignment with Wayne Dyer. And whenever I saw Louise Hay, I just thought, oh, she's saying the same thing. <laughs> Well, this was different. And then um, I went to explore, well, what's going on now? Well, there was a conference happening in San Diego. And I thought right then, oh, I'm going to go to San Diego. That's where my next stop is. And the journey just turned out to be a healing journey. But at that time, it was my first uh, leg of the trip from the West Coast. And 50 people from around the world were gathered, which was mind-blowing at the time. Uh, and then we would have different breaks. So it was, I was there for about five to seven days. And this one particular day, I was at the beach. Um, I had my van locked and I had the music blaring and I was doing some exercises. And the next thing I knew, I looked to my out the window and there was a gentleman parked right next to me and very interested in what I was doing. Mm. <laughs> And so right then it was like, okay, I need to, you know, vamoose. So I, I left in a hurry and he followed me for a while. Um, so that was a little unsettling. Um, and then several months later, this was like part two of Louise Hayes training. She was doing a, a life coaching in Sedona. And uh, it was headed up by Patricia Crane because Louise wasn't doing the training at the time, nor was she doing the training in San Diego. So I didn't realize that that was still, you know, that incident of being watched very carefully was still in my mind. But in Sedona, after the week-long conference there, uh, I got permission to park at a, a friend's house uh, in her in the road right by her house. And anyway, uh, the energy and everything within Sedona um, and being just coming from a really uh, wonderful group experience. And then all of a sudden I felt really alone and vulnerable. And I saw another car in the distance, just about a hundred yards from me. And it looked like three men in the car. And I swore that they were watching me, what's another word, um, <laughs> scouting me, I don't know. Yeah. And it just it took me back to, you know, being in a fearful state. And this is such an, a great example of where we can go in our thinking. Mm. So it was really based on a fearful experience that I had before of being, you know, scouted, watched, stalked, whatever. So I was just, um, a true believer that this was happening. And so finally I collected myself and said, well, are you going to sit here and worry about it? Or are you going to drive by and see if that's really what, what you're seeing? And so um, I, I took off and, and drove past this car and there was nobody in the car. <laughs> and I just had to laugh because I thought, Oh, I'm seeing my thinking play out big time because I was so fearful that I was being stalked. Mm. And uh, so other than those two experiences, uh, it was just a wonderful trip and met a lot of people. And they would say, make sure you see 
um, you know, X, Y, Z, if you're going in this direction and, you know, and then I got invited to workshops up in Idlewild when I was vis- visiting Joshua Tree National Park. And yeah, it was just, just a beautiful time. Mm-hmm. Wow. It really sounds like it. That's for sure. You mentioned uh, Eden, um, the Eden pro or what did you call it? Yeah, it's based on Donna Eden. And okay. Um, I think she learned a lot from like healing touch, I believe. And anyway, she put a curriculum together uh, and I got certified. It was a three-year study and she thought that everybody could see energy and she was gifted with that ability. And so she was able to uh, heal herself with uh, this technique, this energy medicine. And she had been told at least once or twice that she should get her life in order because there was nothing else they could do for her. Mm. And so literally she took her health in her own hands and was able to move blocks and energy and all kinds of things. And so that started this uh, journey for her to teach others Mm -hmm. how to claim their health, especially when, you know, our medical system told her that there wasn't anything else they could do for her. Mm, wow. And do you, do you still practice that to this day? I do. I have a few clients that I'm working with and, uh, but my true passion is really this understanding mm-hmm. really is because I think everything is created through our thinking and sometimes, you know, we feel it in our body and mm. if we can change our, change our consciousness to a greater sense of well being which, you know, one of Sid's sayings is that we're only one thought away from our well-being. And once we see that, you know, the body, mind, spirit, it's all connected, Mm -hmm. then, you know, it has a tremendous impact on our health and well-being and whether pain gets what they call stuck in the body or, you know, anyway. Yeah. So I've been on this healing journey and I have joyofwellbeing.org if anybody's interested and love to have conversations to explore if this is a fit for them. Mm-hmm. And so if you're working with someone using the Eden method, um, do you fold in the impact that their thoughts are having on their physical being? You know, um, Sometimes because uh, the emotions come up and Mm -hmm. usually there's a story connected to the emotions. So it brings up the conversation for sure. Mm. Oh, fascinating. Wow. That's really, really interesting. Um, One of the other things you do, (laughs) you, your plate is quite full is you're a rewilding coach with uh, been trained by Angus and Rohini, correct? Correct. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what does rewilding mean to you? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, based on the metaphor that they found how uh, wolves were reintroduced to Yellowstone, which is an amazing uh, four minute video, if you get a chance to watch that. But to me, what it means is rewilding us back to our true nature before mm-hmm. all that programming came in and conditioning and you know, um, like coming from like the formless energy into form and who, and you can see this rewilding at its best with young kids because they are just so spontaneous and loving and laughing 
and just having a great time and being curious and not in their thinking (laughs) (laughs) very much into their being. Mm -hmm. So I think that the rewilding is coming back and letting go of all that uh, story that we might've made up over time Uh, because number one, we want to be loved and accepted and, throughout the course of our journey, we might change who we are to be loved and accepted, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, rewilding is a great term. I love love the whole process. And I've learned so much from Rohini and Angus, for sure. I was able to go deeper, I think, in this understanding. Oh, lovely. And Were there any parts of you that you discovered during that rewilding process that you had sort of shut down um, based on the, you know, the social things that we learn? Yeah, there was a a number of things that came. Uh, I was just going through a heartbreak and Mm -hmm. then realizing that we're built to be resilient and, and, the story that I made up about after the breakup, you know, as to what that meant about me and was I not enough and on and on it goes, mm-hmm. creating a lot of pain and struggle for myself. And it's part of the human experience, right? We have to go down the rabbit hole at times. And, mm-hmm. and now I find that I'm not going down the rabbit hole as deep as I used to. Right. <laughs> And so that, that's been a big shift. And uh, now I see, you know, as I'm on the other side of the breakup, it's see, I see that my world is opened and I see that things happen for a reason and we can get really caught up in the chaos and the, and, you know, the change of it all. And we don't see it at the time, but down the road, we see that it's happened for a reason. It's happened for our own evolution, for our own rewilding, mm-hmm. that something needed to shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, what a lovely way to look at something challenging. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, part of that is to be held and supported mm-hmm. in this loving group that, mm-hmm. What I see is, you know, the irony is when I first joined the rewilding group, it was in lockdown, couldn't leave my apartment, but yet I was connected with 34 people around the world. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. And now, you know, the group is just continuing to be close and we connect and it's just a beautiful experience to be held and supported, to be seen in re reawakening to who we really are and that is love Mm -hmm. bottom line we are all love Mm. oh beautiful thank you for saying that that's lovely Mm. i love that is as we get towards the end of our time together is there anything you'd like to share that we haven't touched on yet today hmm I don't think so. Other though, you know, this is my passion and I love, love, love having one-on-one conversations. Uh, I just finished a four-week series in person here in Bend. So I'm really excited about doing more of that and recreating that experience that I had in the rewilding group. So it was a group of nine other women plus myself that gathered at this beautiful Hanai uh, Center here in Bend. So I'm looking to do more 
of that uh, because I really, really do believe this is the answer. It's it's all about this understanding, and it's all about this the misunderstanding that we've grown up with. You know, <laughs> and I can't think of a better time with all the issues regarding mental health issues. Uh, there's no, and there's never been a greater time to share this understanding. Yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely. So where can we find out more about you and your work? You mentioned your website. Tell us the address again. Yeah, it's joyofwellbeing.org. Great. Uh, you can reach out there or my email, um, preferred email is joy, and I'll say it phonetically, joybelonga okay. <laughs> at gmail.com. So yeah, up in the upper peninsula, it's almost a common name like Smith, Belongi, but it's phonetically, it looks like Belonga. So joybelonga at gmail.com. Perfect. Okay. And as ever, I will put links in the show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Joy. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, it's been a delight. Thank you so much for the invitation. My pleasure. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the show helpful and uplifting. You'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. To learn more about how to resolve an overeating habit in a way that's unlike anything else you've tried, go to freedomfromovereating.com. Use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. See you next time!